we don't do series here. We preach through books of the Bible, and we finished James a couple of weeks ago. And um, man, there couldn't have been a better book for me to, for personally to preach through during the whole quarantine. That's when we started through all of everything going on. James was awesome, and uh, I, I, I was digging it, and it's done. And then God put on my heart, next we're preaching through 1 Peter and 2 Peter. That's where we're going next. But I kind of was like, well, God, do you want me to start that? This was last week. And, and, and we have kind of a little parentheses, and God wanted me to share with you guys uh, Daniel chapter 2 of all chapters, and it's a three-part little series. I hate even using the word series because it's not something that, dude, I don't even know what's coming out of my mouth today. Will you vouch for that, Terry? Amen. It's like I, I fill up with everything God gives me and then like a balloon. I hope it doesn't sound like, but I hope it comes out. I want, I'm giving the Holy Spirit freedom to share what he wants in each of your lives for that. And, 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 and it's going to be biblical. The word of God is our final authority and salvation. But I'm speaking on God's behalf. And so last week we started the first section and, and today we'll do the second section. And I can't wait to tell you the truth, for the next section next week that's going to be talking about the end of the world. You want to know how the world ends? You want to know what's really going to happen? Man, right from the, from the mouth of God, we'll see that next week. But the title of this is that obstacles become opportunities. Obstacles become opportunities. How many of y'all have ever had an obstacle? You know? And, how, and when you treat it like an obstacle, what does it do? It makes you kind of like, oh, I don't want, we, we avoid it. We don't want to go into it. But when you can view an obstacle as truly an opportunity, when you can view that as an opportunity, man, what a difference. How many of y'all, when you get a good opportunity, how many of y'all jump on it? You know, that's it, man. You get a great opportunity and you know an omniscient God or an omnipotent and omnipresent God has given you this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. What do you do when you have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? Dude, you jump in head first and go for it. And wouldn't it be awesome if we could understand and really truly believe that every single thing that comes into our life is by God's design and it is a once in a lifetime opportunity. It is. Every single thing that comes. Who planned what you were going to be doing right now? Some of you are like, well, I have a drug problem. Somebody drugged me to church, right? But, uh, I mean, you guys, you guys came to church. You guys weren't even planning on it. Man, we see that a lot. And I was praying that God would bring people like that. That's one of my prayers coming up. God, bring people today that don't even know they're supposed to come today. You know? And, 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 and God, sure enough, bring. last week brought you, right? Yeah, and you're back. We didn't scare you off. That's awesome. And, uh, she just might want to, you know, it's kind of like sometimes like that roach, you know, or, you know, you smash a roach under a magazine or under something, no, under a shoe. And you have to look, you know, some people come back for that reason. Is that why you're here? You just want to see, dude, can this happen again? No. Anyways, obstacles become opportunities when your goal is to give glory to the omnipotent God, not just an omnipotent God. How many omnipotent gods are there? And do you even know what omnipotent means? How many of y'all don't know what omnipotent you admit? It means all powerful, all powerful. Omnipresent means he's everywhere. You know, omnipotent means he knows everything. And uh, so, so he's an omnipotent God. He is the omnipotent God. There is no other God. There is no person that knows everything. How many of y'all are sitting next to somebody who thinks they know everything? Raise your hand and let me see an elbow go on your side. All right, yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah. So if you could start viewing life 
from the perspective that God is giving you an opportunity to glorify him in every situation that you are facing. That is biblical. That is having a God-centered theology instead of a man-centered theology. And if you could understand that way, and couldn't, wouldn't it life be much better if we viewed every single a boat breaking down at the boat ramp? If we, oh, good, I can't wait to see what God's going to do here. Man, this is an opportunity to glorify God. And was it an opportunity to glorify God? Yeah. Was that your first thought? Honestly, no. And wouldn't have been ours either, all right? Terry, not, none of us would have been like, oh, all right, Saturday afternoon, I'm clogging up the boat ramp. <laughs> Can't wait to see what the crackers do to me now. No, I'm just, and I am one. But anyways, dude, if we can start viewing life that way, how much better would it be? How much less anxiety would we have in life? And so we started last week in the very first part. And really, in essence, what happened was the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was a young man only been king for a few years at this point. He inherited it from his father, Nabopolassar. And basically, under Nabopolassar, they had conquered two major empires. He was a Babylonian king. They had conquered Assyria, and they had conquered Egypt. Two big powers, so now they were the ultimate power. And as a young man, he is now the king of the world. I'm not talking about like in Titanic, who is that dude? I'm the king of the world. No, he, he literally was the king of the world. And he's a young man, and he's doing his best to take advantage of this opportunity. And now, don't get me wrong, these were not godly people. These were wicked, horrible people that filleted people's skin off them while they were alive. They did horrible things to people. They literally dismembered people while they were alive so that it would put fear in anybody who would be in opposition. So this Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a good guy. These were the barbarians, the, the epitome of it. And he was now a young king, but all of a sudden he started having dreams. And it was not only a dream, but it was the same dream over and over and over. How many of y'all have ever had a dream that woke you up? A dream, you know, some people said, I've never remembered a dream. But man, some people have. And then what happens if you have that dream again? Oh, and then again, and what if it isn't a good dream? What if it's just utterly confusing? And uh, that's kind of where Nebuchadnezzar was. He dreamed dreams, and it was about his kingdom. And he's a young king trying to do his best and rule, you know, like everything he learned from his dad, everything he had skills in. And it was just whacking him out every morning. He's waking up like, oh. And so in that, he decided that he was going to call all the top advisors that he had. He was going to bring in the politicians. He was going to bring in the educators. He was going to bring in the medical people. And he was going to bring in the psychic friends, just for good measure. We learned that last week. He brought in all, I mean, what more could you want in a, in a, in a group of experts? You've got educators, medical people, politicians, and psychic friends. Are we missing anything here? Help me out. You can talk in church. What are we missing? God, yeah, he didn't know, but he was bringing God in and he didn't even know it. He was going to kill off the people representing God and he didn't even know it. But guess what? When God wants something done, what does God do? He does it. He gets it in. And so, man, aren't you glad in our society that when we have a severe, massive problem that we don't just bring in the educators, we don't just bring in the politicians, we don't just bring in the medical people and our psychic friends? Oh, wait, we do. But let me ask you a question. Who represents God in this society? 
Who represents God in this society? Yeah, no, no, I want you to take your thumb like this. And I say, who represents God in this society? I want you to say, I do. All right, who represents God in this society? Yeah. And who's more valuable, the one representing God or the psychic friends, the politicians, the educators, and the, and the, and the medical people? Now, everybody's got their place, but in the whole scheme of things, who's the most important? Who can you not live without? And in fact, we even talked last week, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if we had politicians that help people see life from God's perspective? And we do. Maybe you're supposed to be one. Now, uh, uh, wouldn't it be awesome if we had medical people that weren't like NASCAR drivers sponsored by different pharmaceutical companies and had, you know, and they actually represented God? Hey, guess what? We do. Hey, wouldn't it, well, I'm waving on a different finger. Wouldn't it be awesome? Sorry. Wouldn't it be awesome? Now I'm just all off track. But wouldn't it be awesome in all these positions, the educators, and I know we have a lot of teachers in here, educators, that are helping kids and people see life from God's perspective. That's what everybody in all those things, but don't get me wrong, we're not discrediting any of those things. And psychic friends, you just need to get saved, all right? So, but, but literally, whatever God's called you to do, if you can truly help people see life from God's perspective, man, that's the most important part of your job right there. So what happened is he brought all these people in and said, guys, I have a dream. And I need to know the interpretation. And they're like, oh, king, live forever. Tell us, tell us the dream. Tell us everything. And we'll tell you what it means. King's like, no, nah, dude, you all have been lying to me for years, especially you politicians, because he was talking to Chaldeans. He inherited those old wise men from his dad's administration, and they had just been blowing smoke the whole time. He's like, oh, no, dude, I'm tired. I, I, I'm, I'm draining the swamp. And I'm not referring to anything in particular, but he had a swamp. He had needed draining. He's like, I'm tired of this. I need real answers to a real problem. I need real solutions. I need a solution. I don't just need some political rhetoric from you guys. I just don't need some medical prescription and whatever to make me feel better. I don't need, I need a solution. Have you ever been in a situation where you need a solution? And all the people who have been playing with you their whole life, you know, you find out they really don't have solutions. They just have a bunch of rhetoric. And that's exactly where Nebuchadnezzar was, man. And he's like, all right, you know what? You guys tell me the dream. I'm not telling you my dream. You tell me the dream, and then I'll tell you the interpretation. And then you tell me the interpretation. If you can't tell me the dream, then I'm not going to trust your interpretation. They're like, oh, king, man, nobody's going to do that. We can't do that. And only the ones with God, and God's not even here, can do it. And you know, they, they just admitted to the bankruptcy of human wisdom. We can't do it. It's not possible. And then they started crying. And King said, enough of this mess. You're just buying time till I get in a better mood. And I'm not going to get in a better mood because I'm going to keep having this dream and I need a solution. He said, decree to die. So he sent Arioch and he sent his guys out, the executioners, to go out and get all the wise men of Babylon and to basically bring them in for a public execution so that the next guys to fill their shoes would not try to do the same thing. If they're going to claim they could do a job, they better be able to do it. And so he brought them in. So where we start today is they're knocking on Daniel's door. Knock, 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 knock. Daniel answers. And they're like, hey, how's it going, Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, good, man. Well, it's going to change. We're here to kill you. <laughs> How many of y'all view that as an opportunity? 
Yeah, if you're a godly guy who knows a God to glorify, it's an opportunity. So we got to catch up on all the worship aerobics from the very first, all right? So Nebuchadnezzar, everybody grab your hand right here, and you don't have to hit as hard as I am. I'm doing this for effect. You can if it really fits, but he started out, and he had a secular sigh. Oh, everybody do that. Oh, okay? Anybody ever been there? You got a secular sigh. You got a problem. You're like, oh, what am I? I have no solution. There's no hope. Ah, that's a secular sigh. So he went to his people, his advisors, and he found out they had been living. Everybody put your hands right here. They had been living a lucrative lie. Okay, so he had a secular sigh, went to his advisors. They had a lucrative lie. And then when they found out that they were, you know, he found out they were living a lie and confronted them on it. Guess what happened next? There was a Chaldean cry. Wow, nobody asked. Hey, your kids ever like pull that? No, mom, no good mom would ever ask anyone to. That's what they said. No good king would ever expect, you know. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, I'm tired of it. So he issued a decree to die. That's an obstacle. Secular sigh, lucrative lie, Chaldean cry, decree to die. That's an obstacle. And that's the way most people live without God. That's how many people live with God. It's because their human resources can't pull it off. Man, so many of us get trapped in this worldly system where we've got the solution. When somebody's got a secular sigh, we have a solution. It's helping them see life from God's perspective. But so often what we pull out of the bag of tricks is a lucrative lie that sounds good and they feel good for a little bit, but there's no real solution. Coming from the word of God, there are real solutions to real problems. And that's why God left us here to make disciples. He puts these situations in all of our lives so that we can follow him and we can do it his way and receive glory. Man, I'm thinking of a verse right now in Hebrews. It says, without faith. How many of y'all know this verse, without faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You hear that? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you've got it all figured out and you have a solution to everything, can you please God? No, he says it's impossible because you've got it figured out so you don't need faith. So for you who have it all figured out, To please God, he's got to put situations in your life that require faith. But how many times when he puts situations in your life that require faith, you're like, oh, why me? Nobody does, you know, instead of seeing it for what it is. God's given you a tremendous opportunity to bring him glory. All right. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But you have to believe he is who he says he is. And omnipotent, omnipresent. And what's the other one I'm looking at? He's every, huh? omniscient, knowing everything. Yeah, that's what we do in our our summertime surf lessons is God knows everything. God can do anything. And God is everywhere. Maybe I'll have y'all do that at the end. All right. But when you worship that God and you really believe that he is who he is, is anything that come in your life? Is it an obstacle or is it an opportunity? Ashley, you go into labor later. (laughs) Remember that? (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just saying, this is an opportunity. <laughs> You're going to be saying, but there's an obstacle. No, it's an opportunity. Uh, and I, I praise God. I saw all three of you born, my kids, and I am not worthy. I am so grateful God made me a guy. I'm not trying to scare you. you already been through it. But dude, you women are tough, man. We are not worthy. All right, enough. Let's get back on track. So in this, uh, where in the world are we? All right. Oh, knocking on Daniel's door. Okay, so let's get back to this. Obstacles become opportunities when your goal is to give glory to the omnipotent God. 
If that is how you live, if that is your purpose in everything, man, dude, you pull out and somebody hits you with a golf cart, <laughs> which is more possible than getting hit by a car out here, right? You know, they hit you with a golf cart. It's like, yeah, this is an opportunity for God to get glory. That's really how we have to view life. No matter what's going on, it's an opportunity for God to get glory. And when we see it that way, I mean, let me ask you a question. Who sets it all up? The omnipotent God, the omnipotent God that's omniscient. You know how much work he had to go through to get you hit by a golf cart? I mean, dude, you know, he had to put it all together. Don't blow the opportunity to please God and have faith. And, and, and look at it as an opportunity for God to get glory. That's the, but if the, the goal is for you to not miss a lick in your schedule, the goal is for you to not mess up your budget, the goal is for you to do whatever, dude, get, you're gonna, life's full of op- obstacles. It's only when we see life in such a way that we want to give God the glory that we're going to lose a lot of obstacles and anxiety and we're going to see life as an opportunity. And then people are going to say, you nut? What the? What, that's, that's a horrible thing. You're like, no, it's an opportunity. And, and you're not, you know, lying to them. Literally, God has put it in your heart. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And it's called grace. <laughs> I have grace. I can't help it. I didn't believe this way until I started following him. But the bottom line, which is better? Would you rather have anxiety? Would you rather have obstacles or opportunities? Opportunities. And do you understand they're the same thing? Now, you understand I'm preaching this and you're listening to it. So less than 24 hours, each of us are probably going to have the opportunity to apply this. I'm probably going to get hit by a golf cart, but that will not mean nearly as much to me in my, in my messed up, you know, in my leaky car, or whatever, it won't mean nearly as much to me as it will to some of you. I've seen some of your nice cars. All right, but I'm just saying, it's an opportunity. All right, so let's move on. All right, so you guys remember the first part? You guys remember the part? Everybody help me out real quick. I won't make you do this too many more times. All right, ready? Everybody grab your palm. Come on, nobody's too cool for this. Secular sigh, lucrative lie, Chaldean cry, decree to die obstacles. This so you can preach it, you can teach it. You can share it with somebody. You can remember it. You don't even have to, like, you know, use all that, but it's there. You'll remember it. So we're going to look at opportunities, part two. All right, so here we go. I'm not even going to make you point at a watch because nobody wears watches anymore, right? Not most people, they don't. Terry, they laugh. Divers wear them. How else are you going to know what time it is? Well, you got a computer, but look, a timely try. Everybody grab it and go, a timely try. So someone knocks on your door, knock, 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 knock. You answer the door, and they're like, hey, we're here to kill you. Oh, dude, opportunity to give God glory. A timely try. Not a time to go to the gun cabinet and pull out the arsenal and like, a timely try. Now, that may be part of it. It depends who's knocking on the door, all right? But a timely try. That's it. That's what you got to view it as. For it to be an opportunity, this is a timely try. God has set everything up right now for this to go down. It's a timely try. There's no accident. How many of y'all believe there's accidents with God? No. How many of you truly believe in your heart of hearts he has got everything in total ultimate control? But how many of us walk through life just kind of really believing like, oh, God, why is this happening? Why? You're seeing it wrong. A timely try. Okay? So watch this. There's a timely try. Uh, pushing the wrong button. All right. So here it is. They knock on his door. So it said that the decree went out. That's the decree to die. 
the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill him. Daniel and his companions were so low on the totem pole of wise men that they weren't even really invited to give it a shot at this point. They were young guys that just got imported from Babylon. They were being trained and brainwashed and so on. And, and so they knock on the door, didn't know anything about this at this point. So Daniel's companions, and, and it was to what? What does the last three words say? To kill them. Everybody say that, to kill them. So anything less than that, knocking on your door, dude, this works, all right? And if they are here to kill you, this will work too, all right? Because that's why God uses that situation. So then Daniel replied with what? Smoothness, prudence, and discretion. In other words, he, he didn't, you know, he, was, he, he put some thought into what he was saying. He carefully said it. So if he said it right, who gave him the words? If you get the words from yourself, what do you, how do you say it, Tom? You say it wrongly, right? Yeah. If you want the right words, you have to get the words from God. And that's why, so, so did he know they were going to knock on the door? Was it like, okay, 9 o'clock, I got an appointment. I better get right with Jesus at 9 o'clock. And from only, I got only got to be right from 9 to 10, meaning should be over, and then I can go back to being me. Is that how it works? No. How, how, when do we have to be right with Jesus? When do we need to be walking in the spirit and full of love, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control that's actually spirit control? When, when do we need to have that? All the time, because you never know. And that's how we're representing. And even when you don't think someone's looking, someone's looking. Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. In other words, he had choice words. How many of y'all ever had choice words? <laughs> but they weren't with prudence and discretion. <laughs> All right? Choice words for Arioch, the captain of the king's guard. He's the head executioner. And he must have had some kind of relationship with Daniel because you'll see not everybody got a hearing with the king. I mean, Arioch, his job's to kill people, okay? So, hey, so Ryan, why is he knocking on the door? Kill people. What's he going to do? Kill people. Why would he even give a hearing to somebody that's going to be what? Dead. <laughs> yeah, dude. Look, there ain't no time for this. I got to kill you. <laughs> I'm not, you know, if you already committed to being killed, why would I even listen to you? But who made, who gave Arioch, who was a lost, vicious man, who gave Arioch the, the desire to hear from Daniel? God did. So you may be saying, oh, yeah, dude, I can't represent God to that person. They're like, well, dude, you go read the whole Old Testament. Go read New Testament. Go read the book of Acts, and you see God works in everyone's lives. God wants somebody to hear something. They're going to hear something. God wants someone somewhere. They're going to be there. He is in charge of everything and everyone. And so captain of the guard uh, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon, look at the next verse. He declared to Arioch. Daniel said to Arioch, the king's captain. Oh, man, I'm almost sort of seeing some freckle-faced kid like Mikey on the commercial, you know, Life commercial. Y'all remember Mikey on the Life commercial? Or, or Opie Taylor. Um, we just did a whole Andy Griffith marathon the other night because there is nothing on TV. But uh, it's on Netflix or somewhere. But, you know, can you imagine Opie Taylor going to Arioch, the season, like, assassin, and like, why the de why is the decree so urgent, <laughs> you know? It's like he, Daniel opens the door and says, why is the decree so, of, of the king so urgent? In other words, what's his hurry? And the hurry was because he had a secular side. He needed an answer and wasn't getting any. Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. 
again, think about that. The executioner actually listening to the one he's getting ready to execute. Why else other than God setting it up? Are you afraid God can't set your situation up? He can set anything up. Dude, you know? He can, uh, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint a time that he might show the interpretation of the king. So did Daniel have the interpretation yet? No. So Daniel, here he is. He uh, uh, gets to knock on the door. Why is it so urgent? What's the hurry? You know, and he goes in and, and Ariok's like, well, you know, this is going on. He said, well, look, and I have full confidence God's going to give me the, give me the interpretation. So can you just kind of set a time up for us? <laughs> now, what executioner would do this? Who set that one up? Sandy, who set that up? God set that up. So how many times do we like quit because we can't set something up? But it takes great faith to believe God's setting something up. But it takes a man of God or a man of woman of God, someone who's walking with God, to know that God is going to set it up. We can't just go step out on our own. I had a joke with Chris last week. We were out here that Chris is going to go to Publix later on today, and he's going to get on the checkout aisle, and he's going to grab bleach, and he's going to get, get the microphone and say, hey, I'm a believer, and in the name of Jesus, I'm going to drink bleach and rat poison, wash it down with you know some Drano, and nothing's going to happen to me. <laughs> That's tempting God. When would you do something like that, Chris? Only if what? <laughs> Only if God said to do it, and obviously none of y'all have had it done that. But I'm just saying, if God hadn't told you to do it, you don't do it. You're tempting God. So for Daniel to say, hey, man, what's the hurry? Go set an appointment up with the king. So sometimes I think we do that. Sometimes we, we step out in our own faith. We step out in faith in ourselves. We step out in our, own, in our own prudence, our own discretion, without God telling us really what to do. We step out, and we put God on the line and say, well, you know what? God's going to rescue me out of this. I'm going to go do this anyways, and God's going to rescue me because it's his name. I just use his name as, as the backup. He, he just co-signed my loan, and he's going to, boom. And, and we tempt God. And yeah, God may get you out of that, but God may teach you a lesson after that, but God may not get you out of that. When you step out on behalf of God, you better be sure that's what he's saying. It will not be contradicting the word of God, and it will bring him glory. Those are two things when you step out on God's behalf that you know that are going to happen is that God is going to get glory when this happens, and it's not going to contradict the word of God in context. So Daniel went and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation of the king. Hey, set an appointment up. He had full confidence from God. God had a bigger plan. And it wasn't just to save the wise men. It's really, you're going to see next week, to show how the world ends. Dude, that's what we're going to see next week. It's pretty cool. So we start off with, help me out, get your arms ready, a timely, come on, Bree, you know this, man, a timely try, okay? Now, here, this is the cool part, all right? And you can even get up, I have a sense that some get up and you're going to be dancing when you do this, all right? So we have a, a timely try by a godly guy. And that goes both ways. You can be a girl too, but it just rhymes. Guy rhymes with that try and all that. Okay, so, so we have a timely try by a godly guy. It's important that you are a godly guy or girl. It's important if you're going to represent God that you represent God. Not part-time, but you are sold out. He's not just some hell insurance. He's not just some get-out-of-jail-free card. He's not just some... Dude, it's all or nothing. 
What did he tell in the Sermon of the Mount when he summarized it all in Matthew 6, 33? He said, but you, don't worry about what you're eating, what you're wearing, what you're doing. Don't worry. Those are things that people who don't have me spend their whole life worrying about. But you who've committed yourself to me, seek. Seek first. Seek always. Seek only. What? The kingdom of God. Let him be the king and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added unto you. So if you seek first, seek always, seek only the kingdom of God. Hey, Nate, what's not going to be added to you? What's not going to be added to you? Nothing. Everything, right? Yeah. That's, but yet, often we're not seeking because we think we have to add something that he's not going to add. Hey, and if, 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 what was your name again? Linda. I'll remember that. That's my wife's name. Linda. So, if, 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 have you ever gotten something that God didn't really want you to have? <laughs> you, you've seen, saw it, and then you're sorry for it, right? Do you know people who have things God doesn't want them to have? So not in seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he not only provides what he wants you to have, but he keeps the stuff away that you don't need, that gets in the way and that causes you great pain and great hurt and all that. So again, this godly guy that's what we got to say. It's a timely try only for a godly guy, okay, or girl, okay, I'm not being sexist here or whatever, but a, a timely try for a godly guy. Look at what happy. What would you do first? Bob, you always mess my illustrations up because you come up with off-the-wall answers, but I'm giving it another shot here. No, no, I'm just like, but listen, man, seriously, someone knocks on the door and they're here to kill you, you know, but you know God wants to give the king an answer, so... So what do you do? Uh, okay, you put them off because you got to go do what? You don't have the answer yet. How are you going to get the answer? Pray. All right, give me some time. I got to go pray. How many of you, if someone knocks on your door to kill you, your first thing is, hey, hang on, let me pray. <laughs> let me pray about this. But as a godly guy, that's what God gave him. Watch this. And not only did he pray, but he got his other buddies to pray because whose opinion did he really need? God's. He didn't need to go look up in the, in the handbook to see when it's legal to shoot somebody and when it's not. He didn't need to go find out a good lawyer. He didn't need to go, he didn't need to go look at his RV. He, he basically needed to find out what God wanted him to do. That's the bottom line. Then Daniel went to his house, made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are their Jewish names for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their Babylonian names because when they conquered somebody, what they did was they gave you a different name. You know, for example, um, you know, like, okay, Jules, that's your name. We think of Jules, we think of Jules. But what if you, your family got conquered and all of a sudden they name you Slowpoke? <laughs> Slowpoke. Hey, Slowpoke. Hey, Slowpoke. Hey, you know, uh, if you keep getting called something, what are you going to think? That's who you are. And they gave them names, Babylonian names, say, oh, our God just beat your God. Our God has killed your God. Don't even think of going back to your God because our God reigns. You know, and that's why they would rename people. So it is very important what you call people because, believe it or not, it does stick with them. Anybody ever have people... You know, call you fat. <laughs> just, no, I'm just like, <laughs> no. no, seriously, when you're little, uh, no, when I was little, it was husky. How many remember that pant sizes were husky, normal, and slim? <laughs> it's like husky, normal, and slim. That ruined me. No, I'm just joking. I'm over it since I got saved, all right? But, but literally, someone's always calling you stupid. What do you think? Someone's always putting you down. What do you think? 
man, how about we try lifting each other up? How about we start, hey, beautiful? You're like, whoa, hey. So that's what we call each other. No, I'm just, what's the best thing we could be called? Godly. Man, godly. So Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah, his companions. He was living in house with these other wise men. They were low men on totem pole. They got a hearing with the king because God set it up and told them to seek mercy from God. Mercy from God. God, give us mercy. God, don't give us what we deserve. As sinners, we have blown it. We've let you down. God, we deserve, God, we want mercy from you. God, look favorably upon us. Don't give me what I deserve, but give me. Give me what I need so I can bring you glory in this. We, as believers, have already received mercy from God. But how many of y'all still need a spanking occasionally? <laughs> yeah. How many of you think it would be appropriate to say, God, don't give me what I deserve on this planet <laughs> because of the way I just acted, but I'd like some mercy so I could bring you glory? Yeah, that's kind of what they're doing. He says, God, g- give us mercy. They sought first mercy from God, and knowing that they weren't perfect. H- how would God respond? Hey, Jason. You know, your kids come to you and they're like, now, dad, you know, I am perfect in every way. And you are lucky to have me as a daughter. And, you know, because a father like you doesn't deserve a daughter like me. And how are you feeling about that? (laughs) You you know, I got to straighten out this view a little bit here. But they're coming like, oh, my goodness, you know. But and again, I know your daughters are awesome, man. All right. I'm just using you as an example. But they had the perfect father and they're coming to him saying, God, we don't have it all together. But God, we want to glorify you. How, who does that represent? Does that represent any of you guys? God, I don't have it all together, but I want to bring you glory. What a way to start a prayer. God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to glorify you. How do I do that? Do you think, Ryan, that God is going to give them an answer to that? Do you, they, if, if your kids say, I don't really want to know what to, I don't really know what to do, but I want to make you and mom look good. What would you guys say at that point? Yeah, come on, come on, <laughs> you know, As, uh, uh, yeah, and that's what we say to our perfect father. Do you think he's going to give us an answer to that prayer? You want to make me look good? Good, that's what I want you to do, and so I'm going to tell you what to do. Now you got to follow through doing it. So it said, um, he told them to seek mercy of God of heaven concerning this mystery. What does it mean if it's a mystery? Nobody knows it. Obviously, that's why Nebuchadnezzar is a secular sigh. These guys had a lucrative lie. The Chaldean cry, there's a decree to die. But it was a timely try by a godly guy who knew a God to glorify. And he told them, so concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And you're going to see his purpose was not just to save his own neck, although that's part of it, but he, he wanted to bring God glory in this. Then, so what did they do? What did they do? They went and they prayed, and they prayed. Hey, how long do you pray? Karen, how long are you supposed to pray? All the time. Yeah. You know, we live in a generation, we have texts, right? How many of y'all remember when texts first came out, and there was a limited number of characters in a text? My kids loved it, because then I didn't send them, like, you know, these 18-paragraph texts, and, you know, but there were limited, Ashley was our first texter, and I'll never forget getting our phone bill, like, oh, my goodness, what, what are you doing? Because she always went over the text limit. Can you, do you, how many of y'all remember text limits? Yeah. And, and, and that's why everybody started you know, misspelling things like PLZ or you know, whatever, trying to make it short so they wouldn't waste characters and stuff. And I'm like, text is going to ruin the world. We're not going to be able to communicate. Hey, what do you communicate with more and ever now? 
texts. How do you communicate? Don't, how many of y'all are texting God in prayer? Not on your phone, but literally your prayers are like, you know, OMG. <laughs> and I mean that real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, now, wouldn't that be a great way to start a text to God? OMG. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and we're shooting a little text to God on our prayers, right? And we're like, yeah, okay. So, and, and, and in fact, if you were to look at your prayers and what God wants to do, I think we expect God sometimes to care more about our situation than we even show we do. Again, James, they called him old camel knees because a dude was on his knees and they were baggy and callous from praying. We throw up a little text prayer. We're like, all right, God, you got it. I'm good. God sometimes would love for you to stay up all night on your face before him. God wants to be worshipped, and we can do that through prayer. He wants us to get together, and he wants us to do it. These four guys, they were praying. And then look what happens in verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. The same way God told him it was going to happen, there it happened. He got the vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Hey, what, happened? what do you do when God gives you a prayer, gives you a request? Hopefully you bless him and you say, what? Thank you, thank you. But how many of you have ever gotten a request, you got what you prayed for, man, and now all of a sudden you just went and, you know, and took care of it and you forgot about God? There's, there's a parable about that because it's, it, it's human nature to do that. I always tell people there's three ways when you pray. You can pray for bananas and God can give you bananas instantly. Anybody ever pray for bananas and get bananas right away? Yep. Or he can give you a banana tree. You pray for bananas and he says, no, nah, I want you to cultivate and I want you to work on this and I want you to worship me through it. He gives you a banana tree. So you don't get your answer right away, but he wants you to pray. He wants you to pray. He wants you to pray. And that's what was so beautiful about these three ladies that were up here who were pregnant because they prayed for a baby or bananas and God gave them a banana tree. They prayed. I was with them praying, man. It was cool to watch how God did it and God can get all the glory. But you know what? Have you ever prayed for bananas and God gave you a watermelon? <laughs> That's what he does. So you pray for bananas, he can give you bananas right away. Pray for bananas, he gives you a banana tree. You've got to wait. Pray for bananas, and he gives you a watermelon. But let me ask you a question. If he's all-knowing, all, all what's the best thing you could have if you're praying for bananas? A watermelon. And dig it. Whoa, how did you know? <laughs> you know? So the mysteries revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And look at this, how he blesses him, all right? So he brings him glory. So everybody help me out, okay, because I see some of you waning right now. We have, dude, we are going to be out so early today, Terry. Look what time it is, man. We're on the last point, eight verses. How long can that take? These are easy, all right, so look at this. All right, so help me out, all right? So we have a timely try by a godly guy who knew a God to glorify, all right? A timely try by a godly guy Oh, I messed it up, didn't I? A timely try by a godly guy who knew a God to glorify. Opportunities. That's how we got to live, just like that. Hey, who can do that right now? Sandy, can you do it? Who can? Race. Come on, race. You can do it, man. The whole thing, man. I'll, I'll even go with you here. A timely try by a godly guy who knew a God to glorify opportunities. Who's got that, man? All right, yeah, give it to them. Who's got it, man? Who's got it? All right, oh, Linda, you got it. I see her working. All, all right, all three of you, since you're first-time visitor guests that came in off the street, again, if we don't scare you off, welcome to the family. Who knew a... You! All right. This is... 
This is kind of like your initiation to see if you're going to come back, all right? You know? All right, cool. Y'all passed so far. All right, good. Awesome. All right, so who knew a God to glorify? That's the goal in everything is to glorify God. Look at this. So Daniel answered and said, look who he talks to first when he gets the answer. Did he go to Ariok and say, whoa, 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 in case King changed his mind, don't have us executed. Did he go to Ariok first? He went to God first because it was to glorify God. And it builds our courage to go from God and hear from God. Can you ever talk to God too much? How many of you ever wore out your welcome at somebody's house? How many have I ever worn my welcome? No, I'm just joking. But literally, can you ever wear your welcome out with God? Dude, Ryan, I say this all the time, man. It's like sometimes we come to him and pray. He's like, oh, dadgum, it's Ryan again. Ryan, you're going to, and I'm omniscient, so I know he's going to ask the same stupid question again that he just asked three minutes ago. And I'm like, do you ever feel that way? Uh, uh, hopefully you don't. Anybody ever feel like God really is kind of tired of hearing from you? Ever have you felt that way? Good. I hope you don't. Because instead, even if it's three seconds, God is like, yes, it's Ryan. Oh, my favorite person in the world. And everyone, and it's Joe. Oh, my goodness. And Chris, God, the more the merrier. And he can handle you all individually in his favorite. Who's his favorite person in the world, Linda? Yeah. Who's his favorite person in the world, Joe? Yeah, you. Hey, who's his favorite person in the world, Ryan? How about you, Race? Who's his favorite person in the world? And Chris, we already know you're a favorite. What? I mean, who's his favorite person in the world to hear from? Yeah, he loves all of you. And you can never wear out your welcome. He wants you to talk to him first, before the problem, during the problem, after the problem, because the problem is not an obstacle. It is a what? An opportunity. That's why he said it in our life. How many of you are seeing that, dude, I missed some really good opportunities? Because I viewed them as obstacles. So Daniel answered, and look what he says. Blessed be the name. The name is everything he stands for. The name of God for how long? Yeah, not blessed be the name of, of, of you know, him until he retires. <laughs> till he gets too old to perform anymore. Till, you know, uh, but forever and ever. Because he just keeps, he's the same always. And the more we learn about him, the more we understand how much he loves us, and the more we love him, the better and better it gets. Blessed be the name of God for how long? Forever and ever. And I'm going to say ever again. To whom belongs wisdom and might? Hey, if you need some wisdom and might, Susan, where's the, where do you go get that? Do you go to the wisdom and might booth at the flea market? You got to go to the word. You go to him to get wisdom and might. How many of y'all have ever made a mistake to go somewhere else to get wisdom and might? Yeah. How many of y'all are like, dude, from this point on, I'm never going to go get wisdom and might. I am never ordering from that seller on eBay ever again for wisdom and might. Shipping took forever, and then I had to send it back because it was from China, and it was the wrong thing, and now I can't even get a return on it. It was bad wisdom and might. Seriously, where do you get wisdom and might? From him. Look at that, what Daniel says. Don't lose that. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. So, Chris, when you need wisdom and might, where are you going? That's it, man. Go to the God store. <laughs> That's it. He's got it. He changes times and seasons. So, who's in control of, and this isn't talking about winter, spring, summer, and fall, you know. This is not like some James Taylor song, right? But I'm saying, this is not winter, spring, summer, fall. What seasons is he talking about? Life. How many of y'all go through seasons? 
How many of y'all have the shirt, the older I, was, older I get, the better I was? <laughs> you know, we go through seasons in life, don't we? And, and in those seasons, who's the one changing these seasons? Who's the one putting us in these seasons? I love walking to the beach and walking down the boardwalk at the park. I see the young dude with the surfboard like, oh, yeah, man, he's all on his own. And I'm like, just a dig it now. There's pros and cons at all. Then I see him with a girlfriend, and he's carrying her bag and his board. Then I see him with kids, and now they've got a wagon, a cart, umbrellas. They look like the Beverly Hillbillies coming down there. And then I see him kind of like my wife and I, like when we're by ourselves, like, dang, where, where's the cart? Where's empty nest, man? You know, and, and there's seasons in life, and God sets them up. Look at this. Whether they're political seasons, it doesn't matter. That's what he's actually talking about here. He's saying, I put this season where Nebuchadnezzar, this wicked guy that dismembers live human beings as an incentive not to go against him, I put that guy in charge. That's hard for us to swallow, isn't it? But out of all the times when you could be alive to let God shine, man, can't you shine brighter as it gets darker and darker? Yeah, dude. We got a great opportunity to shine right now. He removes kings. God wants a, a leader gone. If, if you don't like your boss, who should you ask? Who, should you start a little like thing around, you know, with all the other employees to get everybody to gang up and then you all write in the suggestion box and try to get rid of the boss? All are smiling now like, dude, I got, I got hope. <laughs> no, but dude, God, get rid of my boss. But you know what happens so often whenever I have a problem with someone in authority over me? I start praying to God about them and God lets me know. Because here's my prayer for authority. I say, God, you show them where they're wrong, and you show me where I'm wrong. Because I want to show them where they're wrong, because God doesn't do it fast enough sometimes, and not as thorough as I'd like. But what I find out is that when I say, God, you show them where they're wrong, and then show me where I'm wrong, guess what he shows me? Often he's using that boss as a hammer and chisel to make me look more like Christ. He's actually put them in my life to make me look more like Christ, and he's seeing how I'll respond whether I'll truly believe he's the God he says he is. Daniel says he changes time, season, he roofs kings, sets up kings. He gives wisdom. Because where do you buy Where do you get wisdom from? God's store. God's store, man. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to those who have understanding. You want wisdom, knowledge, understanding? Who do you got to go to to get it? Him. He reveals deep and hidden things that nobody else knows. And you... And, and you don't really want him to reveal them to you unless you need to know. And by the way, when he gives you that, what does he expect you to do with it? Use it. Sometimes we want stuff just to collect, and, and we don't really want to use it. So don't be asking for it unless you're ready to use it, because when we love God, he causes us to love who? Other people. When he gives us stuff, it ain't for us. We love God, we love others. And is, is it good for you when you love others? Al, when you love others, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel good. It's not a bad thing. God, don't ever cause me to love anybody ever again. This is the most horrible thing in the world. No. How many of y'all love somebody that loves them, that loves you? How many of y'all love, I mean, we got to love people that hate us, but I mean, how, you're just like, oh, dude, there's that person who loves me. Yeah, you want to be around them, right? It's the residual. God says, love me. I'll cause you to love others. And the benefit comes to you. Man, Terry has some peaches. You brought, uh, Ashley just gave me a peach, dude. And it was from South Carolina. Man, I was, I, I've sat down, and I'm a very skilled eater, all right? I am good, and I have proof of it. I, I, man, anything. 
mangoes, whatever. But I had this peach that was about this big, and I sat down on Ashley's couch yesterday on her tile floor, and I gently, I could barely have my mouth big enough to get it, believe it or not. That's how big that thing was. And you're like, no way, that was a watermelon. No, but I opened my mouth and take a bite, and all of a sudden, what happened? It started dripping down my, yeah. And, and guess what got all over her floor? I didn't let her know that. But I, I, and then guess what? When I slid in it, and as I'm walking to the kitchen, and I'll eat everything. Man, where, what happened to the juice from that peach? It got all over everything. It's, that's the love of God. You love God, man. You become like this big, juicy peach, man. And, and don't worry, you're going to get plenty on you. <laughs> it's going to work that way. But when you make it your goal to love yourself before you can love anyone else, and then God gets whatever's left, dude, that's so backwards, and that's so human, and that's what James said don't do. Love God. He calls you to love others, and it brings favor. Because, man, everybody loved big, juicy mango and peach juice all over their carpet and, you know, furniture. Did you see it was there? All right. See, if you had a dog, dog would lick that up, man. All right. <laughs> it's not as bad. I'm exaggerating a little. She's going to go back and look now. <laughs> he reveals deep, hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness, and light dwells in him. He already knows what's in darkness. And so when he shines the light on, how many of y'all want to see everything that's in the dark, if it's all scary? Don't you want him just to show you what you need to see, <laughs> like the path, the little bit? I love it when we're diving, Terry, on the outskirts of wherever you're spearfishing and, and on the outskirts of your visibility. You're spearfishing, and on the outskirts, what do you always see shadows of? bull sharks. <laughs> they are so opportunistic, and they are just looking for some opportunity, but they're always just on the outskirts. I used to take people snorkeling on the jetty, and I would say, just look at the jetty. Just look at the jetty, and everybody's always out here because they think the jetty's scary, but dude, the sharks and the barracuda, they're all out there. <laughs> Pay attention to what you're supposed to be paying attention to, and it's all good. Now, Terry's like, what's wrong with the sharks and all the... That Terry does dive, shark dive stuff, but yeah, it's like if you're looking here, that's all you really want God to light up, light up for you is what you're supposed to see. He reveals deep, hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness. Isn't that cool that you don't have to know what's in the darkness? You only have to know what he lights up. And light dwells in him. To you, O oh God of my fathers. <laughs> in other words, as I'm rowing this boat, what do you want me to do now, God? Doing it. As I'm rowing the boat, I don't know where I'm going because I'm going backwards. And I got to be pulling both oars because one oar is just going to put me in circles. And I can't see where I'm going. I don't barely even know where I'm at. But what do I see behind me? The wake of his faithfulness. That's what he's saying, man. To you, O oh God of my fathers, I'm going to keep pulling both oars because I can see what you've already done in my life. Who needs to know where you're going? I mean, do you trust God that there's no dock pile in there, right? You know? <laughs> you got, I'm just saying, you, you ask God what to do, and you do it. and You pull both oars at the same time. He's not going to misdirect you. You take every step God wants you to take, you will end up where he wants you to end up. So he said, God of my fathers, I see the wake of your faithfulness. I give you thanks and praise. Now, what just happened? Who knocked on his door, Tatiana, and what did they want to do? Yeah, and what's he doing? How's he? He's offering thanks and praise because he knows it's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity because he's, it was a timely tribe by a godly guy who knew a God to glorify. And it was an opportunity. Wouldn't that be a much better way to live than a secular, sigh, lucrative lie, a Chaldean cry, decree to die, obstacles? 
But how many of us are there? Doc, you bring, you, you bring all the stress, your chiropractor, you, you, you take stress out of people, right? You realign things and all that. How many people are all knotted up because this is how they're viewing life? That's why your godly perspective is so needed because that, you can straighten their body out, but if they don't have the right perspective, what's going to happen to their body again? Yeah, dude. You've got, it, it, it's, it's, you got to have that proper perspective. Less than five minutes. Oh, <laughs> to you, O oh God, my fathers, I give thanks and praise. And not that I'm on the clock. I'm just, it's kind of a goal I set. But if God wants me to, you know. But then again, God's like, well, if you didn't just ramble on mindless things every once in a while. And I'm saying, but if I just covered scripture, they'd fall asleep. No, I'm just joking. But no, none of that. Uh, anyways, <laughs> we're going to give it our best shot. Now, I've just wasted three minutes, haven't I, telling you why it's so important that I try to be done by about 11. All right. So disregard all that. God's like, I'd like to reclaim my time. <laughs> all right. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks, I give praise for you've given me wisdom and might. So you order it. Have you ever really ordered something? Taking a shot at it and you actually get it? It's like, yes, you have given me wisdom and might. But he's ordered from that store before and he's gotten it before and he's stoked about it. And look at this. And now you've made known to me what we asked of you. So it's important that you ask the right thing. You know, you've made known to me what you've asked for, what we've asked for. You have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. Up to this point, who did Daniel give the glory to? Yeah, it went like, yeah, God, thanks for the help. I figured out this puzzle all myself. You just showed me the box top, and I'm the one who rearranged all the pieces and did it. Is that what he's saying? No, he's like, God, I took my hands off and you made it all come together. So he comes to Arioch, whom the king appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Hey, when you got a word from God, what does that do to you? Confidence. Yeah. When you got a word from you and it's a shot in the dark and you're thinking you're going to make it work, what do you got? <laughs> maybe a little bit on the outside, but inside you're shaking, man. But when you know what God wants you to do, and we have a whole book full of what he wants us to do. When you got that, you can walk through life without that stress. You've got confidence to know what he wants you to do. And we're not perfectly good at it, but wouldn't it be a good thing to practice? Wouldn't it be good for us to get better and better and better at it? Instead of walking through life in an obstacle, he says, man, I'm going to show the king the interpretation. So check Arioch. He's not a believer, but look who he gives the glory to. Arioch brought in Daniel for the king in haste. Oh, dude, I got to, you know, he brought him right before the king. And, and he said to him, what's the very first word Arioch said? I, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. <laughs> Who's he building up? Dude, he's talking it up on his own revenue. I have found. You didn't find Jack. You knocked on his door and you were going to kill him. <laughs> this guy saw it as a timely try who knew a God to glorify opportunity. You didn't find him. He found you. And it'd be wise when you see God work, even if, because how many of y'all ever got found by God? You didn't find him. He found you. Man, if you miss this finding, you have blown it. That's like all y'all with your little, like, uh, what do you call them, the metal detectors on the beach, man? It's like, beep, 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 and you're just like, yeah, you don't even hear it. You keep going. 
He found gold, man. He found a guy who knew God, and he saw God work. What a shame if he never gives his life to him, right? If that's you, man, and you've seen the wake of his faithfulness, surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him, you will not be let down. So he said, I have found this guy, and he can make known the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, that is his Babylonian name. We'll talk more about that later, but it basically says your God is a loser. My God's a winner is kind of the idea. He said, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered to the king, and he said, why, of course I can. I'm this young stud out of Israel that, man, I am the smartest. I am the wisest. You watch me put, put this together. Do that. I can do it all, king. Is that what your Bible says? Look what he says, man. This is humility. This is being humble. This is giving God the glory. Would you rather be a part of something everybody can do and then get outdone in your own strength, or would you rather be a part of something that is so supernatural only God can get credit for and just be a part of it and say, it was him? <laughs> That's way more fun. Daniel answered king said, no, no, dude. No wise man, no enchanter, no magician, no politician, no educator, you know, no psychic friend, no whatever else we were talking about in there. No medical person can show you the king, can show the king the mystery that the king has asked for. No, no human can do that. But there's a God. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? If you're going to get a tattoo, dude, get it right on your forehead. But there's a God. No, I'm just saying. Well, you could get it somewhere else, but I'm just saying. But there's a God. Isn't that awesome? But there's a God. That's the difference between us and everyone else if God's given you faith. But there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I, I got to say this, man. I'm thinking of Corey Ten Boom. You ever read Corey Ten Boom? Man, her family had it all set over in, I don't know, Amsterdam, somewhere there. And then the Nazis came in. And all of a sudden, she's rescuing Jews out of, out of there. Read her stuff. She ends up in a concentration camp. And her sister's always showing her life from God's perspective. One day, Corey's like, oh, how can this be? We're in this rat-infested, ice-cold, wet place with these straw mattresses stacked on top of each other, and we're freezing, and there's rats and roaches and everything in here. How can this be of God? And her sister said, I don't know, but listen, you remember when Nana was doing cross-stitch and we were little? And uh, have, how many of you ever seen the underside of cross-stitch? The underside of cross stitch is just a mess of strings. She said, that's what we see. But when we get to see it from heaven's perspective, we'll see what Nana sees, and it'll be beautiful. That's what he's saying. But there's a God in heaven who sees Nana's perspective. All we're seeing is the underside with all the strings a mess. And she says, man, this God in heaven, he says, this God in heaven reveals mysteries. He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the what? So what we talk about next week, we get to see how this story shows us the end of the world. From this point on till the end, and most of it that you will look at has already been accomplished. With so much precision that people swore it had to be written after it was done. But let me ask you a question. Who really knows what's the future? And he knows it impeccably. Who sets it all up? God does. So you think he's any good at prophesying it? Yeah. And it's done with such impeccable accuracy that people say, oh, it had to be written after the fact when it was written right here and it was given to the king in a dream. Got to come back next week to see that, man. And he says, 
So he said, he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. And that's what we're going to look at the next part uh, next week. He says, your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. We're going to stop here today because it's 11 (laughs) o'clock, sort of. (laughs) But we're stopping here because that's the end of part two. All right. And. What I want you to remember, from, if you don't remember anything from here, is that obstacles become opportunities. When your whole purpose in life, your whole goal, all you seek is to give glory to the omnipotent God. That's all your purpose is to do that. So here we go. All right, you guys ready? You ready to do the whole thing? All right, go ahead. Just real super quick. Stand up, man. It just will do it. And I'm going to have to stand here because... Not that I lord over you, but that's just like, I can't see you, all right? I'm just kind of vertically challenged. Glory to God. <laughs> all right, so you guys ready? Very beginning, remember Nebuchadnezzar, he had a secular sigh, called on guys that were full of lucrative lies. Then they instituted Chaldean cry, came a decree to die, and that's an obstacle. But when they knocked on Daniel's door, it was now a timely try by a godly guy who knew a God to glorify. And what did it end up as? They're the same thing. You get to choose whether you're going to follow God or you're going to follow in fear yourself and figure out what you want to do with this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, thank you for letting this stuff come out of me today. Um, Father, my prayer has been, even as Karen even asked this morning, I just, I wanted to, I prayed, Father, so hard that what came out would bring value to each life that heard it today. And the value wouldn't be remembering anything I said or did, or, but it would be value that you gave them because they have confidence to know this is your word and you cannot lie. And I don't know all the obstacles everyone's faced, and I know most of them, I know a lot of them that they've shared with me, but Father, I pray that each of us would not see them as obstacles. We would truly see them as opportunities to glorify the only, the one and only, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. Father, that's all the only reason you didn't take us to heaven when you saved us, was so that we could show the world who you are, and they'd be so blown away, they would want you to be their God, and we could introduce them to you, and you could save them. So, Father, I pray that if that needs to happen today, that... That's what would happen, whether it's in this congregation right now or it's the moment we leave. I pray, Father, that we would represent you as the mighty God that you are through the grace that you give us and the faith that you give us and the people around us would see life from your perspective because we're seeing it that way and they would be full of courage, true courage that comes from you. I can't wait to see what you're going to do in all this. I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.